Welcome to the Filter Free Friday podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Williams, and this is the podcast to remind you that the distance between the life that you want to live and the life that you're currently living isn't nearly as big as you think. Happy Friday. We made it to the finish line. Also, happy February, right? Hold on, because you know I'm recording this in the in the past. In the past, I got to make sure it's actually going to be February. Yeah, it's going to be the second. Oh, also, apparently when this comes out, it's going to be Groundhog Day. Interesting. Okay. Um, how the hell are you guys? How are we doing, friends? How has the week been? Has it been joyous? Has it been stressful? For me, it's been hellish at the beginning and then great, at least up until now. It's Wednesday. I don't know what Thursday holds, but I think it's going to be a great Thursday. So I'm putting that good mojo out into the universe. Um, I... I'm working on this new project that I am super ready and excited to tell you guys about, but not yet, not right now, because I'll get too distracted. I'll get too distracted. I'll tell you guys about it and maybe next week. Um, but I finally kind of like finished the bulk of work for that. And it just feels like such a relief to be able to like send something off and like be like, it, I know I still have work to do, but the majority of it is done and I can breathe again. I worked out for the first time in like two and a half weeks yesterday and it was great. Uh, and I'm not as sore as I thought I was going to be, which either is one of two things. I didn't work out as hard as I thought I did or which I'm more so hoping it's this, that I really didn't lose much fitness in a two and a half week time period, right? That like I can still do all the things and be fine and that some time off isn't going to kill you, which is true. I think most people think that like their muscles are going to disintegrate <laughs> with like one week off, let alone two or three or a month. Um, and yes... It is, it's very easy to lose muscle and um, strength and it is easier to lose it than it is to build it, that's for sure. But you're not just going to like revert back to like being a true beginner just because you took all this time off. Like you kind of like have a baseline and you're not going to slide all the way back to zero, at least not in a couple weeks. Now, if you take years off, months at a time, sure, like that might make a significant change. But for the most part... Um, but I just keep trying to spin this break that I've had from working out as a positive. Like I try to keep telling myself it's the rest that my body needs, but that's 100% bullshit because I've been sleeping like five hours a night instead of my normal seven, um, because I've been working so much. I've been waking up, um, an hour and a half early to work before Rob and Blake wake up. So there is no, like my body's not recovered. My body, I wear an aura ring and every day my aura ring, like, you know, it tells you your stats about sleep and about your body and your body temperature and your heart rate variability. And it's like, bitch, what, what's up? What you doing, girlfriend? Because something's wrong. Something, it also, um, it has like stress, like a stress meter, meter, is that the right word? It tracks your stress. And ever since I've been doing these 5 a.m. wake-ups to work, my stress has been through the roof throughout the entire day. So it's it's kind of crazy. I have no idea the science behind this, if this is true or not. I'm just telling you my personal experience. But it's like if I start the day immediately with stress, it's like I just stay in that, like, you know, flight or flight, you know. I can't remember if that's the parasympathetic part of the body. I don't remember. Um, but I just stay in that flight or flight zone all day, all day. And you know, when given the option to fight or flight, I take the fight option. Okay. If you didn't know that about me, you know that now I am a fighter. I don't, I don't think so. I get very, I'm a scaredy cat in, in like, I, I'm scared of things that aren't really going to happen. But then when bad things do happen to me, like when I got mugged, I'm a fighter. I'm a come, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Kind of girly. Didn't expect that. But there's been a couple of times in my life where I have been in the face of danger and I have looked it dead in the eye and said bitch please you know like that's I we, I've learned some things about myself um anyways anyways we can go on tangents all day um I've got a funny story to tell you and then I've got a rant to go on okay those that's that's the agenda for the day put your headphones in pop your popcorn we've got a funny story and a rant I was literally telling my nanny this story 
and we just had a little giggle downstairs and I was like you know what Let, let's tell that story on the podcast it doesn't connect in at all with the rant that I'm going to give you at the end of the podcast but that's fine there doesn't have to be this great connection point I would love for there to be a great connection point because that that's what would make a good podcast but look I'm not here trying to make the best possible podcast ever I'm trying to show you my reality which is scatterbrained which is brain fog that's what you're getting from me each and every day these days okay if you want to if you want a polished podcast I need you to go back I need you to scroll back and listen to one before I had Blake <laughs> that's the last time you had a polished podcast <laughs> brain fog is thick these days it is so you could spread that thing on a piece of toast okay um we were talking about my nanny and I were talking about pediatricians and um she was saying you know that her son something about her pediatrician her pediatrician doesn't matter and I was like oh her son had been going to the pediatrician like his same pediatrician for pretty much his entire life and I was like yeah I went to the same pediatrician my entire life too and I was like when I say my entire life though I want you to know I truly mean from zero to 18 and you know she kind of gave me this look like excuse me and I'm like yep 18 I was too old I don't know when they recommend that you stop seeing your pediatrician, but I can 100% guarantee you my mom pushed me past that age. I'm, and mom, I know you're listening. I love you. I'm going I'm to throw you under the bus here a little bit, but you know that I love you and I know that you took care of me the best. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Anyways, let's talk about how she kept me in my pediatrician for too long. <laughs> Like I was, for putting this in frame of reference, I was going to see, I'm pretty for sure, an OBGYN and my pediatrician that had been seeing me since age zero at the same time. I just think that once you need someone looking at your hoo-ha because things are going on down there, like I think that maybe you've qualified to have a, a normal primary care doctor and not a pediatrician. Like just imagine 17-year-old Brittany can drive herself driving up to the pediatrician's office sitting in the lobby where they've got the like dinosaurs on the wall and they've got the little lego set things and they've got the fish tank and there's a bunch of crying babies the baby over there's got colic this toddler over here has got a marble up his butt and i'm sitting here just needing a physical so that i can play like varsity sports do you know what i'm saying we've got different that's a different set of skills right like, I, we're, I, this is not the same. It's just not, I don't know what the cutoff point is for your, for your pediatrician, but we passed it. And so I will never forget one day my mom was with me and this is the last appointment I had with this doctor. I literally had this doctor my entire life. Like I can, I could now, I am 35 now and I have not lived in San Antonio since I was 18. I could tell you, I don't know if his office, I don't even know if he still practices, but like I could drive you to where his office was because we've gone so many times. I know exactly where it was, like mind boggling. Anyways, we go in and I'm 17. I'm pretty sure I was 17 and like we sit down and look, I haven't been to an, a pediatrician appointment with Blake yet where she's not a baby, like she's not like a toddler or whatever, but it's, you know, they go in and they give you the gown. We're going to call it the gown. You know, it's the same the gown situation when you also go to the OBGYN, but that gown opens from the front. <laughs> well, actually, my pediatrician didn't even give me a gown. I just get a napkin to place over my bits. Like what happens to the gown? Actually, let's tangent this for a second. We'll get back to my pediatrician. Why, like, when you just need to, like, show, like, most times when I go to my pediatrician, I don't need to take, like, my top off, like, unless she's doing, like, a breast exam or something. But, like, we usually don't do those sorts of things. But, like, why can't I still get a gown? Like, give me a gown and I'll put it over with my bra on because at least that kind of feels like I'm wearing clothes. Instead... I just am sitting with my raw butt cheeks on this, you know, table with truly a napkin. They call it like a blanket. It's, I mean, uh, it's not a blanket. I mean, it's pretty, it, it, let's, okay, let's be real. It is pretty big. But then when we're telling the story in the podcast and we're being, we're over-exaggerating, it's a napkin. Okay, it's tiny, it's flimsy. 
I feel like if it was to get wet, it would just completely disintegrate. And look, I understand that modesty is out the window when you go see the OBGYN. Like she's going to see everything anyways. Like in reality, you don't even need to give me a napkin. I can just sit here with my hoo-ha out and my butt cheeks raw on this table because you're going to see everything anyways. But it just would be nice. I would prefer a full gown. The op- open to the front's fine. Still awkward, but that would be fine. Does anyone else, anyone else just get the napkin? I feel like I used to get a gown with my OBGYN, or at least maybe this was my previous OBGYN, and now that I'm at this one, even though I've had her for the past seven years, I just feel like I used to get a gown, and now I get a napkin. Okay, anyways, I've made that point. Moving on. So I was at the pediatrician's office. I'm 17, literally sitting in the lobby with, like, the colicky baby. Do you know, you, you, we've all been to the pediatricians. Like, the kids are screaming, and there's the kid with peanut butter stuck in his hair. It's like a hot mess express, and nobody else is 17 years old. I can promise you that, right? So, I'm, so first of all, everyone's, like, pr- looking at me. Like, where's your child? You know, like, what are you two? Look at me and my mom. What are you two here for? Like, I'm, I'm old enough to be the mother of any of these kids in here. So I go in, and he gives me or not he, but the nurse, the physician's assistant, I don't know what they are called, gives me the nurse, or gives me the gown. And because I'm 17 and 5'5", with a 34B bra size, and like, you know, I'm fully developed, I have to have the like extra large um, gown, right? Like I fit in the kid's extra large gown. And so... I just need you to close your eyes and just imagine what a kid's extra large gown looks like. Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It's not just plain white. It's not plain pink or plain boo, blue. No, it's like got like Barney on it or like Dora the Explorer. It's got like dinosaur prints. It's cutesy. It's got like animal characters. We've got like a safari scene, character print pattern going down this gown. So here I am, 17 years old, again, fully developed. I've had my period now for three years. She's a woman for all intents and purposes. And I have to be waddled into this pediatrician's office as a full-blown woman. And I have to put on this gown. Luckily, this gown opens from the back, not from the front. I have to put on this gown. And it literally has like Barney on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's got Barney, Dora, and like Sesame Street characters. And I'm sitting on this tiny ass table that's built for, oh, I don't know, a toddler. I couldn't lay down flat on this table if I tried because it's not made for a 17-year-old woman. And so then I'm sitting there and I, I don't even think I was naked. I don't think that we were doing that kind of exam because, again, those kind of exams were done by my OBGYN because, again, she was a woman with a capital W. And my doctor comes in and he gives me the physical or whatever I was there for. That part I don't even remember. But then he sits me down. And I need you to paint the picture of what my pediatrician was like. He was tall, tall, lanky. He kind of looked like Bill Nye the science guy. But with like curly hair and glasses. Does Bill Nye? No, I don't think Bill Nye has glasses. But kind of that. Just imagine Bill Nye the science guy with curly hair glasses like a little a little dorky a dorky doctor super nice I, I want to aside I love he was a wonderful man like I don't have any negative um things to say other than this story which really is not his fault it's not his fault that my mom kept taking me to the pediatrician and so he sits there and he starts giving me the sex talk at the pediatrician's office, I'm sitting there with this man who has been by my side through every issue I have had from age zero up to age 17. And I'm looking at him and I'm looking at my mom. And first of all, my mom had a sex talk with me when I was like six. Like I was young. Like I remember, I think my dad was upset that my mom gave me the sex talk as early as she did. Because I'll never forget and I remember, I do remember this conversation because it, it I don't want to say it scarred me. Like I don't, I didn't, I don't think any negative, anything negative of it, but I was a little shell shocked. We were watching Allie McBeal and Allie McBeal started talking about orgasms. And I remember I asked my mom what an orgasm was and my, my mom told me she didn't hold back. She gave me the an- honest answer and that my dad was mad at that. He's like, you could have lied. You didn't need to tell her that sex was enjoyable. <laughs> Like, that's not, you You can just tell her what it is, tell her where babies come from, but you did not need to go into the detail that you did. But that's fine. I turned out fine. Okay, I turned out fine. 
Um, so I'm sitting there. So again, I, that was, I was young. That was young. I've the jigs up. Okay. At 17, I very much understood how the whole thing, the whole system worked. All right. So I'm sitting there and, uh, he starts giving me the sex talk as if I've never heard a sex talk before. Again, I understand that I get the pediatrician probably needs to give the sex talk to like 13 years old, 13 year olds. He probably gave me the sex talk when I was 13, but here I am now at 17 sitting here listening to this man giving the sex talk and the sex talk as they all do probably only took 15 seconds but felt like 15 hours and I was sitting there and he finishes his spiel and I was a good girl I just stayed quiet and let him finish and then he goes do you have any questions and I said look respectfully I'm sitting here in a Barney gown with my ass cheeks hanging out with the toddlers in the lobby I feel a little old. And when, when the pediatrician, a, a child's doctor, is giving you the sex talk, I think it's time to find a new doctor. I looked at my mom and I said, look, doctor, X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to say what his name is. Appreciate all your help over the last 17 years, but I'm putting my foot down. I will not sit here and be get the sex talk while I'm sitting in a, bar, a Barney pajama suit. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm half naked in the pediatrician's office with a gown that doesn't fit. It fit. It's wide. Like, you know, kids clothing and the bigger sides sizes, they're wide, but not as long. Okay. So the extra large kids gown was really baggy on me, but it was short. It was short because it, they think I'm like an, an extra large 13 year old boy in eighth grade who picks his nose do you know what I'm saying that's who this gown's made for this gown isn't made for a 17 year old girl who gets straight A's who busts her butt who's gonna run track collegiately and is like getting the sex talk from her pediatrician you're not supposed to get the real sex talk from your pediatrician you can get a sex talk from your pediatrician but not the one that you give the 17 18 year olds like the one that really's got to count you can give the sex talk when you're in middle school you got to have it right you got to gotta gotta educate the kids I truly believe that but there's the next level a level two sex talk that you have when you're in high school that you don't need that shouldn't be from the pediatrician okay so word to the it was so again not scarring to me but that memory is so it's so ingrained in my brain of getting a sex talk while half naked at the pediatrician's office in a Barney gown flapping it with my ass cheeks flapping in the wind because those gowns are literally napkins and it opened from the back and he's got this tiny ass stethoscope because it's meant for a baby it's like the same stethoscope he used with the infant two doors down in the exam room c do you know what i'm saying like i'm sorry sir you're not the person to be giving me this sex talk let me go back to my OBGYN. okay let's get a primary care doctor up in this bitch because this is not the right setting like there are stuffed animals painted on the walls. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't need a sex talk in the in the stuffed animal room. Okay? It, it, it's creepy. It's creepy to getting a, a sex talk in a room where there's like happy faces and like kids characters painted on the walls. This is nightmare fuel. Do you know what I'm saying? This is how we mess a kid up. Again, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not messed up. <laughs> I mean, maybe messed up. I'm not messed up from that. But I just, that memory is just so freaking funny to me. I'm just sitting there and I looked at my mom and I said, this is our last appointment here. It's time. It's time. If, if the doctor is giving you sex talks, it's time. It's time. I just, uh, for example, oh, perfect example. I know that, actually, I just talked about this on, on Instagram, how my pediatrician had condoms at the, the, oh, their office when I was there with Blake. So I guess maybe people are bringing their teenagers into the pediatrician's office. I just, I, I mean, but when people told me on Instagram, like, oh, they're, there, they're not there for the parents, they're there for the teenagers. I still am imagining 14 year olds. I'm imagining middle school, imagining freshmen, like, and I'm not here to talk about when you shouldn't, shouldn't be having sex. But I, I, I think that there's a next level, there's a, there's a next level of age group when the kids are still under 18, that feels like um, they're adults. Again, I don't have a, a child that old, so I, I'm only speaking from my own experience. But my mindset at 14 and my mindset at 18, I was two different people. And sure, 
I mean, I'll be, I did not, I was not sexually active during any of those time frames. <laughs> like this was all before any of that clicked and like I, or not, cl not clicked, but didn't happen before at, during this time. But I guess, so maybe people do this. I need you guys to send me messages for those of you who have older kids, what time, like college and above, when did you stop? you know going to pediatrician and I'm sure if I'm thinking about it from my mom's perspective and I'll have to ask, I should have called her and asked for her perspective so she could she could fend for herself I'm sure she's thinking this girl's about to go off for college why find her new doctor for like one year you know like there's no point in finding a doctor a new doctor your junior year of of of, of high school right like there's no point because you're just moving uh, and then I, which I did, I moved to Houston and I had a set of doctors in Houston and then I moved to Baltimore and then just, you know, the, I flapped my wings and I left. That's how that went. Um, hmm. I'm now, I'm now thinking I told this entire story and maybe everyone's taking their 17 year old kids to the pediatrician. I'm just saying I've never saw any other kids my age. And now that I'm starting to go to the pediatrician a lot with Blake, I've yet to see anyone, anyone, even what seems like over the age of 15, 14. I mean, I, I, I it just, it, anyways, word to the wise, don't let your pediatrician tell your kid the sex talk when they're sitting there with their ass cheek hanging out, okay, in the, in the Barney gown, just maybe have them clothed. Again, not because anything weird happened. It just wasn't awkward. It's just, it was just a little awkward. It was just a little awkward. Okay, it was a little awkward. <laughs> oh, he was a good doctor, though. He was a good doctor. And I like Blake's doctor, and everything's fine. And look, there's no right or wrong. Navigating sex talks with your kids, there's no, there's, well, there is a wrong way of doing it. I shouldn't say there's no right or wrong. There's definitely a wrong way of doing it, but there is a plethora of right ways of doing it. Okay, so just know that, like, I'm not here to judge. You got to do what's right for your kid. And my mom did what's right for me and her. And like I said, no qualms. It just was a funny, her and I do giggle about it sometimes. Me sitting there in my kids, my kids, like I got this, like, like I appreciate, I appreciate the sex talk at 17, but you should have sex talked me at 13. Again, not because I was having it, but just because like the jig's up. Okay. She was a woman. I was a woman already, already. Okay. I said there's a, it's going to be a hard transition. There's literally no red thread between the story I just told you and what I want to talk about today on the podcast. So we're just going to pause, say, great story, put that book on the shelf, and then move on to what I want to tell you, which I was inspired by um, a follower's story. She's a registered dietitian, and she talked about, um, well, I shouldn't say she's a follower. She's a friend. She's a friend. You know who you are. You're a friend. I think I, I think I told her that I was doing this podcast based on the reel that she posted. If not, I got to go. I'll make sure that she knows. Um, she's a registered dietitian and she was talking about how her number one question anytime she posts on like stories or anything on her Instagram, because she does market like, you know, herself as a dietitian online, um, is what do you eat in a day? And she talked about how she does not do the what I eat in a day reels you've seen them you know them they're the influencers the fitness trainers the girlies of the world here's what I eat in a day and it goes through this day and it's the most aesthetically pleasing everything's perfect everything's cookie cutter and all the meals look so scrumptious. It always starts off with some sort of smoothie, acai bowl situation or like oatmeal where like the, the peanut butter is just like goozing down the side and the berries look so succulent. And they're like 150 calorie oatmeal with like 700 grams of protein. And like you like the from the base knowledge I have of nutrition, I, I can already tell you that like a. Uh, fingernails worth of peanut butter has like that much calories in it so like there's no way that's right anyways I'm, I, you get the you get that point picture and then they go to lunch and the lunch is like this beautiful salad with like seven thousand ingredients that they meal prepped on sunday and they pull out of they pull it out of their um refrigerator and it's like the perfect like they've got all the perfect tupperware everything's matching 
Okay, I don't know about you, but at my house, we've got about seven different versions of Tupperware. Some Tupperware that's been with me for what seems like my entire life. And then at some point, I had an oh shit moment. Like, oh my God, I shouldn't be using this much plastic. And then I bought all glass Tupperware, but I didn't get rid of all of the plastic. And then I got married and then people will send you Tupperware as if... It's weird to me that sometimes people will just give you these gifts when you're married. I appreciate the, the wedding gifts, but like I already had to, I had to use Tupperware before the wedding. It's not like just now that I'm married, suddenly I need Tupperware. But anyway, so I've got all this Tupperware. I've got like seven different kinds of Tupperware. And it's like mental math when you open up because we've got a drawer for the lids and we have a drawer for the for the actual pieces of Tupperware. And it's like mental math sometimes pushing putting things together. You know, you're teaching your kids how to to, to to uh put the things together like oh draw a line between the letter f and fish you know stuff like that that's how i feel this is my my mental math for the day is matching up my tupperware pieces okay i don't, I, I have a lot of i apparently have a lot of tupperware um where was it going with that aside guys i just had the biggest brain fart tupperware Oh, yeah, the influencers. All their Tupperware matches. All of the Tupperware matches. Everything's perfect. All of the cans in their refrigerator are all label facing out, okay? And it's all like the latest and greatest sparkling waters and like kombuchas, okay? That's what it, it everything's always perfect. There's not a crumb in sight. Then they go, they're going to the gym or they're going to meet up with their friends or they're going somewhere, you know, and they've got the perfect snack that they pull out of their perfect crossbody that's like on trend or whatever the trend is with the bags these days. I don't know because I don't pay attention. And then they have like their perfect salad and then they have the lunch and then maybe they have another smoothie or then they go to the gym and then they have their creatine and they have what well, you, you've seen it. You've seen it. And... As an influencer, I also, in the fitness and health space, get asked at every time, every single time I put a question feature up, like, hey, ask me a question, or even remotely mention food, someone will say, can you do what I eat in a day? And I am so thankful, so thankful that you are interested in what I eat in a day. Thank you. Your interest in my life keeps me employed so thank you right like I truly and you've heard me say this and I'll say it again like if you're going to pick the kind of career like I have that puts my life in the public eye you've got to be okay with um, answering some of those questions and providing some context to your life to people because people are like like you're making money off of these people's interest in you so like how dare you just like like close the door on certain things that's at least how I believe it like I some things should be private but you at least need to open the door a little bit if you're going to be sharing sharing online anyways um but I refuse I refuse I refuse I refuse to do a what I eat in a day I will share a meal I had um I love uh I think the intent of most people's what I eat in a day is to be inspirational to show ideas of how you can structure your day, how you can structure your meals. Um, and I love that. I love that. Um, I think that, so, or sometimes maybe they're selling something, right? Like maybe a meal plan or a cookbook or something like that. But sure, I guess that makes sense. Um, but I find sharing food, unlike fitness, is super highly individual. And I'm not that, I mean, fitness is super individual as well, but in a completely different way. Whereas food, there's so many different ways that you can go about it. And that's not the case with exercise. With exercise, if you want stronger shoulders, there is pretty much a set, I'm going to make it up, five exercises or movement types, I should say, not specific exercises, but movement types that we need to move your body through and able to get you stronger shoulders, period, hard stop. We can debate about some of the details. Is it better to do this or is it better to do that? Uh, should we add a band? Should we do it on a cable machine? Should you be doing a machine? Should it be body weight? Should it be dumbbells? We can, we can debate, but the general movement pattern, the details, but the general movement pattern is the same. When it comes to food, sure, there are also some basics that you need, right? Basics meaning, for example, the body needs protein in order to build muscle. So you need to be eating adequate amounts of protein if you want to build muscle, right? 
carbs are a, the, a major source of fuel and energy source for the body. You have to eat some sort of carb in order to continue to produce energy for the body, right? There's some basics. But when it comes to the actual foods, the actual types of foods, there is like an unlimited number of foods. There are not unlimited types of movement types and exercises. <laughs> There's a set number. We might, we might put lipstick on them and make them look different. But at the end of the day, there are a set number of workouts or sorry, exercises that are going to be, that are going to get you to your goals. Again, that we might, we might take our shoes off and change what kind of weights we do and call it bar. And then over here, we might do it in a very different type of way and call it strength training. But at the end of the day, the same base movement pattern is the same. There's a limited number. In food, it's not the case. There's a limited number of macros, right? There's protein, carbs, and fat, and I guess technically alcohol. Um, but the number of foods that go into that equation are endless, endless. And the number of ways that you can attack your goal are almost endless. And it's so specific and so individual to the person that when you share a what I eat in the day, it feels like you're telling me this is what you should eat. And even if you say in the intro or in the caption, this is just me, you do you, you can say that as many times as you want, it still doesn't feel that way. It still feels like when you, like you know you look like hot shit or you know your inspirational, motivational people want to be you. And to me, it feels, it always feels like no matter what, and maybe this is me, maybe I'm just messed up in the head and I need to be going to therapy more often. I'll admit it. But it always feels like you're telling me if I eat, if you eat this, you'll look like me. It's the same reason why I don't love um, Instagram posts that start off with people lifting up their shirt to show their abs because it just it just to me tell like you're trying to paint the picture do this exercise so that you might your abs look like mine and I can tell you you could do, you could right now eat exactly what I eat you could do the exact workouts I do you could sleep the exact you and I could live the exact same life and we could look completely different because the bodies are so individual and so while I, again, I know that people put what I eat in a day out into the universe to be entertaining and to be inspirational, not to tear people down. But personally, I feel torn down every single time for multiple reasons. Either A, I don't eat as healthy as you do and now I feel like shit for not eating healthy. B, I don't live that aesthetic lifestyle. I don't live the clean girl lifestyle. I don't, there's, there's, you will rarely see me film openly around my house because it's a hot mess. I had one of my friends tell me one time that she felt like my house looked so clean. And I'm like, girlfriend, you've seen two corners of my house online. Like she's been to my house since she made that comment. And now she's like, oh, I get it. Your house is a pigsty. But like from a filming perspective as a content creator, like one of the reasons why I love having my guest room is the studio is because like I can just keep this one little corner of the guest room that's camera facing clean at all times. So if like I, today I need to film a video for sweat and I know that I just, it's already clean. I can just go right into it bad, boom, 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 get it done. Okay. So people show their perfectly clean kitchens and their perfectly curated, beautiful meals. First of all, healthy meals aren't always beautiful. I eat a boring, basic bitch diet. It does not look sexy. It's not something that's gonna get the hits on TikTok. It's not gonna go viral. Nothing that I eat, it's gonna go viral, never. I, I can predict that now. And so when I'm constantly seeing this perfection of the perfect acai bowl and the perfect salad and the perfect Sunday meal prep along with your perfect Tupperware, and your perfect matching plates and silverware and your perfectly curated kitchen and dining room situation and how you perfectly took that and you made some baby led weaning version of it for your kid maybe all of this is spewing with jealousy and if it is i'll admit it sure but i know for a fact that that sort of talking that sort of social media is where we start to go into a slippery slope and where the comparison trap 
gets to run thick. We get deep, deep, deep. We are towing the line with a very unhealthy comparison trap when we say, here's what my life is like. You should do it too. Even if you don't say those words, the sentiment is there. There's a, there's an, a subcontext. You don't have to say it. The I got this body from eating this way mentality can be a very unhealthy one for even someone who doesn't have kind of a disordered mindset around eating. I think that food is so individual and I want to encourage people to find what works for them individually. Um, I also don't think that in fitness is the same way. Just because you are fit, just because you are lean, just because you are strong, just because you lost a bunch of weight maybe, that does not qualify you to be a nutritionist. Just because you're strong as shit and you've got popping muscles does not qualify you to write a workout for someone. I'm not going to show you what I eat in a day because my nutrition is very specific to what my body needs and I am not qualified to tell you what your body needs. So sure, I might do a reel of, here's a quick recipe that I put together because like it's fun and I want you to see it. But when it comes to the entire day, the entire day, you start to, I'm going to give an example. Here's what I ate in a day. I had eggs. I had eggs in the morning. Then I had some fruit for a snack. And then I had um, a salad for lunch. And then I had yogurt for my second snack. And then I had a piece of steak with steamed carrots and broccoli and a sweet potato for dinner. And then I had one bar of chocolate or not a bar, like a little square of chocolate, one square of chocolate. That's what this said influencer, no one in particular, but that's just what someone, that's what they eat in a day. So I wrapped that and what I start, what I start seeing in my head is, huh, she must not eat any complex carbs. She didn't have any bread. She didn't have any pasta. You know, oh, she she must not eat. She must not eat any junk food. She doesn't eat any any potato chips. She doesn't have any Sour Patch Kids like I do because I went to the grocery, the the um, gas station yesterday and I can't go to gas station without getting some Sour Patch Kids. They they scream to me. Okay, I have to get them. I have to get them. They're screaming to me. Those little kids. I gotta get a, I gotta get my Sour Patch Kids. Okay. She didn't eat that. So then I start thinking about my day. Like, man, I had bread for dinner yesterday. Literally, I had bread and eggs. And then I had two bowls of pasta yesterday for dinner. And then I had pasta again for lunch today, right before I started eating this. And so now I'm starting to think, huh, man, she's eating way more vegetables than I am. And I'm eating way more carbs. And ugh, I feel bloated. Ugh, man, I really got to eat better for lunch, dinner today. No, what do we have? On the, do we have anything healthy? Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to eat healthy. What am I going to make for Blake? Then you just, it just start, you just, and who knows? Maybe she eats a ton of complex carbs, just in general. Maybe she just eats all these shitty carbs all the time. It's just not what she happened to eat that day. That's not said. I mean, it is said because I think a lot of influencers try to cover their ass by in the caption writing, this is just one day. But it's impossible to capture someone's diet in one day. It's impossible to capture what my workout plan is in one in one day, in one week. If I showed you one workout and said, this is what my workouts are like, that would be a lie. That's just one workout. To truly understand what my whole fitness routine is like, you would have to like sit in for weeks. You would have to jump on the sweat app. You'd have to scroll through my entire Instagram profile, right? Like one day is going to give a false um, viewpoint of what your day is really I mean unless you're eating the same thing over and over and over again but even then that's not something that I would want to try to force on someone then there's the flip side of that of where I think sometimes you'll see what I eat in a day and it's like it feels so forced like and then I went to the ice cream store and I ate two massive things of ice cream and I'm like did you just go to the grocery store because or sorry not the grocery store the ice cream shop because you knew you were filming the what, what I eat in a day and you want to prove to people that you're like one of us and that you eat ice cream too. Like, did you just, did you just include that in the what I eat in a day simply so that you can show that you have salad and ice cream? Like it just feels, and again, it, to me, it's a lose-lose situation because I'm sitting here as the audience making judgments on the content creator, which aren't fair. The content creator 
should be able to have ice cream Sundays and not have ice cream the other days and talk about it openly. They should. But unfortunately, in our world, we're going to take what we see from that video and we're going to apply it to our own life and we're going to start judging our own lives against it. The comparison trap. And I try as a content creator to avoid the comparison trap as often as I can. I think if I'm doing a comparison, I don't, I don't want it to be a trap. I want it to be, I'm paddling along in this boat and I want you to feel like there's an empty seat on the boat where you can get on with me and we can paddle along to the finish line together. I want to film when I'm struggling because I want you to know that I'm struggling. But I also, sure, I want to film when I'm having a great day because I want you to be motivated by that great day. But you got to be able to show both. So I guess maybe unless we're doing what I eat in a day every single day, <laughs> that's, I guess, maybe, maybe I'll approve of that. Not that anyone needs my approval. You can do whatever you want. You can make whatever content you want. I'm just explaining, well, I'll never do what I eat in a day because I think that it can be very, I think that the, possibility for damage is higher than any good that comes out of it there is a lot of good it can be a lot of fun don't get me wrong it's fun to see an influencer open up her her um her refrigerator and to see what she's got on the inside it's fun to click pause and to zoom in and see you know what kind of brand milk she drinks I don't know you know you're you know you're zooming in on that kind of shit right it's fun don't get me wrong don't get me wrong but I think as content creators, we have to balance out the potential for entertainment and the potential for harm. And any time that the potential for harm outweighs that potential for just good quality fun entertainment, we've got to ask ourselves, what are we doing? And I just know as someone who has struggled with, oh my God, I've got to get skinny. Oh my God, I need to eat better. Oh my God, I need to stop eating cookies. And then I write off cookies for four months and then I binge eat them like crazy when I finally, you know, start eating them again. Like I've lived that life. And I know that seeing the perfectly curated meals, both in aesthetic and in what they physically are, the actual contents of the meal can be so hurtful. Um, and I don't even think that when you're watching them, as, as an audience, you are hurt in the moment. It's not like you watch this and you're like, oh my God. But then later on that day, that week, that month, you're sitting in your kitchen and it's messy. And like I said, you've got seven years worth of different Tupperware and it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. And if you start to feel down on yourself because you don't have the pretty kitchen and you start to feel down on yourself because you do eat probably more bread than you should, right? Like I'm eating a full bar of chocolate every single day these days. Should I? No. Does it feel good that Rob's having to buy more and more chocolate from the grocery store every single week because I'm just plowing through it? No, because you know what? You want, not because there's anything wrong with eating a bar of chocolate every single night, but because I know I'm doing it because I'm stressed. And that's the problem. And that's the piece I need to work on. I don't need to focus on, oh my God, I need to stop eating chocolate because it's bad for me and it's making me fat and all these thoughts that you can have in your head. What I need to focus on is why are you stressed? Why are you stress eating? There's nothing wrong with having chocolate every single day. But this obsession with chocolate every single day is probably stemming from something else. And like, let's have a discussion around that. And the what I eat in a day strips apart all of that conversation it strips apart all of that healthy um self-talk of what am i eating what's good for me what's not good for me where can i find a balance between the boat between it all and it just shows you like the thesis sentence and it doesn't go into any of the whys and the you just can't fit someone's diet into this short little 20 second reel you can't do it. It's just not going to happen. I don't, I won't do a, what, a, what I eat in a day. I literally was thinking about this. I was like, man, I, I so, it certainly could be something that, like sweat might ask me to do or something. I, just, I have to, I'll put my foot down. It's just something I won't do. Again, I have lots of influencer, content creator friends, good friends who do them. And I have nothing wrong with them. Again, your content is yours to have I just wish more people would stop and think about 
the look at me, look how put together I am, look how I've got my shit figured out that it can portray and how that can be a slippery slope um, for anyone who is struggling with food. Even if you're not struggling with food, honestly, I think it just perpetuates this culture we have around demonizing foods. Uh, certain foods and when you see those demonized foods omitted from that person's day it feels like you're doing something wrong even if that person didn't mean to Um, and we have as a society so much work to do to stop demonizing food Uh, there's no good food bad food it's all about the quantities of foods you're eating it's all about the combination it's all about having a balance of good and bad so to speak quote unquote across the day across the week across the month and you're not going to get that accurate picture and you're not going to get usually in a what I eat in a day um real TikTok whatever it is you usually don't get the whole backstory from someone of why they're picking what they're picking um and you usually don't get reality right like it's like I'm trying to think of, a, of another example of, of when you're filming, you know, content. But it's like I only feel con- I only really film content when I feel like filming content. You're only going to film a what I eat in a day on the days that you know you're eating something that you want to show other people. Think about that, okay? Again, unless someone is doing a what I eat in a day every single day, you're curating the content to truly – you're curating what you eat or maybe I guess I say you're building the content knowing that today is a menu that you want to share. Today's menu is shareable, so I'm going to share it. Now show me what you eat when you're sick as a dog. <laughs> you know, show me, show me what you eat when you're two days out from your period. Do you know that's what I want to see? That, but even that's individual, you know? <sighs> Take everything that you see on the internet with a big grain of salt try not to fall into comparison trap um again i i think that content creators should be able to put what they want out there and i'm gonna i'm gonna pass a little bit of judgment and that's okay i'm sure plenty of people pass some judgment about what i put out there too and that's fine um but i just want you as the audience to when you see something don't make assumptions that every day is like that don't make assumptions that if it's super healthy that everything's healthy all the time Um, just be smart, I guess, is what I'm saying. And that's really, to me, the crux of the start of this podcast and why it's called Filter Free Friday is because I want you to look at social media, including my own, because I, there's certainly some things that I do that probably fall into the comparison trap as well. I'm not perfect. Um, I'm not sitting here talking from my high horse as if my Instagram is just like perfection of of omitting anything that could be harmful to others. I'll admit I'll admit that it's 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 hard to um, be perfect with that, right? And to be truly um, supportive of everyone. Um, but I want you as an audience, as a consumer of social media, I want you to when you consume content. And then maybe it sticks with you a little bit in a negative way or you start questioning, man, I should do that. Or if you watch something and you start to feel bad about yourself, I want you to pause. I want you to step back, ask yourself why, remind yourself that it's a moment in time. And something that I I say, uh, I used to say it a lot more and I should probably say it more often is Instagram is only a highlight reel if we let it. Because you often hear people say, Instagram is a highlight reel. Instagram, you only get to, which is true. People, you consciously are choosing what to post on Instagram and you are curating what you want people to know about you. So sure, have I shown up on Instagram way more often these days with no makeup, hair a mess, haven't waxed my mustache, all of the things? Yes, I am certainly showing more of that real authentic me online lately. But I still only do it when I want to, right? That's just the nature of the beast. It's not like I have a camera running live all the time. I still only click record when I know that this is a story, this is a photo, this is a look that I want to share with you. 
And so I think that you've got to remember that as a consumer of social media. I need to remember that as a consumer of social media. That, again, unless someone's doing it every single day, because that, I guess, would be the only way to keep it fair, right? It's fair. If someone's doing something every single day, you're probably going to see the good and the bad. Um, But even then... You've got to worry about the algorithm. The algorithm is going to push to the top the content that goes viral. And unfortunately, in our society, the content that goes viral is the stuff that's sexy and pretty and curated. So even then, even if someone was to post what I eat in a day every single day, unless you're physically going to their page every single day, you probably are only going to see what the algorithm is telling you is worth seeing. And those days would probably be the really bad days, the polarizing days. They'd be the really bad days where the person eats like complete shit or they'd be the really good days because the really good days are going to make people comment on that post and say, oh my God, I wish I ate as healthy as you or oh my God, you've got to give me the recipe for that X, Y, and Z. It looks so good, right? That's going to get a lot of comments and people are going to, it's going to push the uh, content out more. Or the person's going to eat in a completely unexpected way. And that's what's going to be polarizing about it, right? That you've got some girl who's snatched and she eats burgers and fries and pizza and ice cream and all the things that you've been told that you shouldn't eat because they're quote unquote bad foods. And then everyone's going to comment about that and be like, oh my God, I wish I could eat like that and look like you. Don't ever effing say that. Don't ever even think it. If you see someone eating a meal and she's hot, and she's great, and you want her body, don't you ever let yourself have the thought, I wish I could eat like that and look like you. Because you're doing yourself a disservice. There's nothing to do with the other person. Don't hold yourself to that comparison of someone else. You are only going to tear yourself down. You're only going to limit your own capabilities if you just look at someone else and, and, assume, and assume that they have something that you don't. They've got some special gene or some special work ethic opportunity that you don't have. Don't let yourself fall into the comparison trap. That is the that is the the theme, the takeaway from today's podcast. That and don't let Bill Nye the Science Guy give your 17-year-old daughter the level two sex talk when she's in her Barney gown with her ass cheeks out on the toddler sized table. At the pediatrician's office. That's when maybe it's time for a primary care doctor. Okay? That's when it's time to be an adult and to walk into an adult office where the gowns are paper napkins and they only barely cover your lips of your hoo-ha, but at least they don't have safari print on them. Even though I will be honest, my gynecologist office is like popping like it's all pink it's very girly like very posh very I don't know like she's she's a girly girl and I love it and it's like a private practice it's her own private practice she can just do whatever the hell she wants and she has done whatever the hell she wants I love it but I totally could see her like loving animal print and like I could absolutely see one day she has like a leopard print like gown for me I could see that that would track again I don't that's not what happens because I don't think they make those those little napkins that they put over your vagina 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 (laughs) I guess not even technically it's the vulva but anywho um I don't think they make those in animal print again because we're not 13 anymore they just give you white or maybe a, a light shade of blue you know I've rambled far enough this is a long episode. I was I was feeling some sort of way today, apparently. Okay. You guys are wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I hope that February is going to be amazing for all of us. It's got to be amazing for me because January was tough to get through. January was 47 days long. So I'm just like, February's got to be on the up and up. I'm going to go have some lunch. Well, lunchtime, lunch round two here. Ironically, what I eat in a day. I had pasta for lunch one and what I eat in a day is multiple lunches because your girl's hungry these days with the breastfeeding um, and always. And then um, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to hopefully get a workout in. That's what I'm going to hopefully do. Okay, guys, I love you. You're wonderful. Uh, go have a happy Filter Free Friday.